So if you have your Bible's electronic devices, click to turn to uh, John chapter 14, verses 16 through 26. Now listen, we started this journey last week, and if you missed last week, um, and I, 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 very seldom do I do this, but I would encourage you just to go to the website and just grab that podcast so you understand some of the some bases of this, because today is a continuation, and so, so this week we're going to look at the Empowered Church, and same passage that we looked at last week, and so just, just a little bit of a, a review so that we're kind of all on the same page. I use the analogy, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit, and so I use just the word picture for me, that if, if the balanced doctrine of the Holy Spirit is like we're standing on a log, and that's where you're balanced, that, that the tendency people have have a, a, a tendency to fall off the log either one way or the other. And some of it may be a, a background that you came out of or church that you came out of. Some of it could be tied to your personality. But some people, on the, when they fall off, they fall off to this side of the log where there's just, there's just a lot of emotion. I mean, to where this group of people, these types of churches, they just equate emotion to like a movement of God, emotion to the, the Holy Spirit. The more emotional it gets, the more chaotic it gets, the the... the, the I mean, all of a sudden, it's just like the more the, the Spirit is moving. And so if, if you're not aware of this and you step into a church like that, it can be a little freaky if we're honest, right? I mean, if you're not aware of that and you don't understand that, here, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story because it's like Time Change Sunday and might as well. Um, <laughs> In, in 1994, when, when, when the Dodds and I, Dr. Kurt Dodd and his family and my family, we came to Pueblo. Uh, to, to pray about and think about and meet with some core group people about planning a church here. And so we just started in the community. We were here about a week, and everywhere we went, we'd say, hey, what church has the best worship in town? Who has the best music? Who has the best worship? And so this one church, and no, I'm not going to tell you what church it is and was, and, and so this one church just kept coming up. It was a smaller church, but it just kept coming up. This church has the best music. This church has the best worship. So Sunday morning, we didn't have anything to do. And so, uh, so we decided we're going to go to that church just so we understand Pueblo, what they consider, what Pueblo considers the best worship, best music. And so we went into one of those churches that was way on this side of the log. And so when, when worship started, I mean, it, it, got, it got crazy. I mean, people were like running laps, and people had tambourines, and they're running laps. They got flags. They got streamers. Uh, one guy, still don't understand this, but it's true. I'm, t I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating anything. One guy had a rubber chicken by the neck, and he was swirling it, running around and around. And then all of a sudden, ladies started like rolling in the aisle, and, and they used their deacons there. Uh, they throw a blanket on them, called a modesty blanket, because uh, in case they're wearing a dress, and anyway, need to move on. And, and so... And so I am, I am not exaggerating. So if you're not aware of that, if you're not aware of that, it can be a little bit freaky. And then on the other side of the log, that some fall to the other side of this church I met Christ in, to where you equate the movement of God with like no emotion, right? I mean, all of a sudden, it's just a doctrine of the Holy Spirit. It's not a person. He's a doctrine. It's a theory. Uh, it's, he's not someone to interact with. And so as a result, you equate a, the movement of, of, of the Spirit with like, no emotion. And so my encouragement is, is that we all should move to a more balanced view of the Holy Spirit. To we understand there is some emotion, but we understand it's balanced with doctrine and the Bible and what the Bible says. To where we understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now listen, let me tell you something and we'll move on. For me, I was on this side of the log for a lot of years in my Christian life. And in August 2016... I went into the wilderness. 
I don't know if you've ever been into a wilderness in your Christian life where you step into a wilderness and everything you knew to be true or you thought to be true, all of a sudden it just seems like it just seems like your whole world was like turned upside down. And a wilderness can be dry and it can be desolate, it can be barren, it can be scary. You can feel so alone. Some will refer to this as a dark night of the soul. And it was, it, it was in the wilderness that, that I even wondered if I could even get through it. I don't know if you've ever gone through a season like that. I don't know if you've ever gone through a time like that. And it was in that wilderness that God met me there. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was no longer just a doctrine, was no longer just something that you didn't commune with, you didn't relate to. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was a person that made the attributes of God come alive in my life to where the attributes of God, to where who He is and what He has promised you is greater than your pain, is greater than your questions, is greater than your doubts, is greater than any of that. And so my encouragement to you this morning, wherever you are in this spectrum, that we would have a balanced view of the Holy Spirit to where we understand He's real. He does some things for us. And He is critical to live in the Christian life in the way that we're called to live the Christian life. So today I want to just continue this. And so we're all caught up. And so today I just want to continue this. And what does the Holy Spirit do for the believers? Last week we primarily looked at, at what he does before we meet Christ. This week what he did, does for the believer. First thing is this. He inspires. And the first thing is this. Is he inspires. So this is just the theology of Jesus. This is what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. Verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you your remembrance, all that I've said to you. So, okay, so in this verse, there's two different promises to two different groups of people. And we're going to look at both of them. The first promise, the inspiration, inspire, is, is, is a promise to the apostles, is a promise to those who, have, who were there, who like, like heard Jesus, were with Jesus. It was a promise to the, the apostles that, 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 that the Holy Spirit would bring to them the remembrance of everything that Jesus said, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus taught, so that they would be able to take and record that in what we know to be the Bible. They would be able to take and write that down and record that for us. And so he says, not only will he bring remembrance of the things that he said, but also remembrance of the things that he taught and remembrance of things that he did. He would give them understanding. He would give them clarity. And listen, the reason that I, the reason this is so important is because there's, there's, there's people today, and maybe you know some of them, and there's people today that have some questions about, is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible really the, the, the Word of God? Can we, can, we trust the, can, can, we, can, we, can we trust the Scriptures? Can we trust what these men had, like, had written down in the Scriptures? And because the, they were written by men, they weren't perfect, so did they corrupt it? Uh, did, they, did they not understand certain things? But, but the promise that, that Jesus gives us in verse 26 is, is that he will supernaturally guide the authors, the writers of Scripture. He will supernaturally guide their minds. Inspiration, it is, inspiration is this, it is, it is God-breathed. His word is God-breathed through a personality. His word is God-breathed through man. And that, that Jesus would supernaturally 
guide their hearts and guides their mind, inspire them to, to write the Scripture. So, so the Bible is the work of God and man. In other words, this, each book reflects the personality of the author. If you, if you read, read books that is written by Paul, it reflects his personality. If you read books that was written by Luke, it reflects his personality as a medical doctor. Uh, if you read the books of, of the Apostle John, then, then guess what? It reflects his personality. If, if I had been selected to write one of the books of the Bible, it would have been full of dumb jokes about Texans and Texas and fried foods and the Dallas Cowboys and stupid sports analogies, right? But I wasn't selected. And so the Bible is the work of God and the work of man. In other words, it is reliable and we can trust it because it is, it is God-breathed. It is inspired. In other words, this, the easiest way I have to understand it is one of my favorite uh, grandparent stages is when the grandkids are like learning to walk. I just think that is, that is, so, that is so fascinating and so much fun. And so when, if you've been around a child that's learning to walk, then, then you know there's, there's that period that they, they will walk a lot as long as they can hold your finger. And so, because they're just learning to walk. And so I just lean over like many of you do, and, you know, you, they grab onto your hand, and they take off walking. And so they're walking, but guess what? I'm guiding them. I mean, they're walking but because they, they have no control over their legs, right? And so they'll run into chairs and walls and off steps and down the stairs and all this other stuff. And so they are walking, but guess what? I guide them. I guide their direction. I guide their, their, their steps. And so the Bible, the men may have been writing, but guess what? God was guiding them. And he was guiding their steps, and he was guiding their words. And so the Bible that you have in your hand is accurate. The Bible that you have in your hand is, is, the, is the inspired word of God without mistake, error, blemish, any of that. And you can trust it because of this issue of inspiration. But the other promise in this scripture, verse 26, is to us. And, and so that's the second one. He illuminates. So he not only inspires, but then the promise to us, the promise is his word is the inspired work of his. It's authentic. You can trust it. But the second thing is this. He illuminates. In other words, this, and I want to be clear on this, the canon is closed. And all that means the canon is just a, a theological term. It, canon is a ruler. means that the Bible is closed. In other words, the Bible still not being written, Okay. That is really important. And so God is not revealing new things that is not in the Bible. So don't come up to me in the foyer and say, Hey, Pastor Charlie, when I was in quiet time, God revealed some new stuff to me that Jesus forgot to write down. I am not going to believe you. And yes, that's happened. That also should encourage you this. When some, some, someone shows up at your door and knocks on your door, and say, hey, there is this prophet that we follow that Jesus forgot to write some stuff down in the Bible, and he revealed some stuff to this individual. And, and so what he revealed to this individual is on the same level as Scripture or higher than Scripture, and you should follow them. Do not believe them. The canon, the Bible, listen, the Bible is, is, is closed. And, and, so, and so you may think, well, you know what? I've never really had any interaction with the Holy Spirit. Well, listen, if you've come to the place where you've said Jesus is Lord, 
If you've come to the place in your life where you've crossed the line and you become a Christ follower, that you know you're his and you're following him, then I, I need to tell you, you've already had, you have already had interaction with the Holy Spirit. Even if you think you're way over here in the, on the log and it's just a doc. Listen, I'm telling you, well, here's, here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord, watch this, except, except in the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you come to believe the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that he's your Messiah, he's, Messiah, he's your Savior, you're a Christ follower, then guess what? You know who put that in you? The Holy Spirit put that in you. You had an interaction with the Holy Spirit. Paul would put it this way in Philippians 2.12. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your, your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and both to work for his good pleasure. So God is working something in you while you're working it out. God is working. You're not working for your salvation. I'm not saying that and don't, don't hear that. But once you're saved, God is working something in you, and you are working out the implications of your faith what it means to follow him, what it means to obey him, what it means to walk with him. I mean, the scripture says over and over, in fact, it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. says, if you have any spiritual interest, you know who put that in you? The Holy Spirit put that in you. God put that in you. And so he's illuminating. He, he's teaching. I mean, in times of darkness and in times of doubt, the scripture says, Romans says that his, his spirit bears witness with your spirit. And he whispers to you, that you are mine. That's why David, the 23rd Psalm, even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 51, David goes on and then he says, and you, you, re, you restore, you restore my, my soul. That's the interaction of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit brings warnings to you in times of temptation. You know, when you go through times of temptation, it's like, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. You know that check in your spirit, don't say that, don't do that, get out of that relationship, get out of that situation, don't make that decision, don't make that choice. You need to, you know, that, that you need to forgive, you need to forgive, you need to forgive, don't carry all of that. Scripture says that the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to us with clarity in times of temptation. In other words, in, in the Holy Spirit, the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit brings remembrance to us, uh, words in Scripture. When, when, when we're like sharing our faith, here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 11. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. See, here, here, here's what I believe. I believe what keeps a lot of us from witnessing, telling our, our friends or family or coworkers about Christ, is we, we just have fear. We have fear. What if they ask me a question I can't understand? What if they ask me what happened to the dinosaurs, you know? Or what if they ha ask a question about theology? Or what if they ha answer, ask a question and, 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 and I can't answer that? And so I think a lot of us, we, we just simply carry that fear. 
It's amazing to me that we can have really close friends and we can talk about we can talk about all kinds of stuff, whether it's football and friends and marriage and dating and, and raising kids and we have these these deep conversations, but why is it we never get to the, the spiritual stuff sometimes? And so a lot of that is there's a lot of that is fear. And so so I I believe that a lot of times the reason that we don't share our faith and all we're called to be is witnesses to where we just tell what we know to be true, what we have experienced. And I think a lot of that is because, because we have fear. And I think a lot of us, we just, we just need to trust the Holy Spirit. We need to trust God and just, just jump. Remember, we've been talking about who's your one. I mean, who's that one person in your family or, or relationships or friendships? You say, I would, I would love nothing more for them to come to Christ. I would love nothing more than for them to come. Who, who is that? And what, what would happen if we, if we just jumped? And so I call it, the fact is, I call it the Michael Jordan style of evangelism. I know, here we go with a basketball reference now. <laughs> Michael Jordan was asked, he's one of the greatest basketball players of all time, and he was asked one time that before he makes those crazy shots, you know, Duncan and all this other stuff, he was asked by a reporter, he says, he says Michael, do you, do you decide ahead of time what you're going to do, or does it just kind of happen? And he goes, Michael looked at him and says, no. He says, I don't decide what to do ahead of time. You know what I do? I jump, and then I decide in the air. That's what I do. And I think a lot of us, we need to trust this verse. And we need to be willing to jump and just decide in the air of the, of the converse, conversation. You ever, you ever been in a relationship? You ever been in a conversation? Someone's telling you about what they're going through, what they're dealing with, and all of a sudden a verse comes to mind? And you're like, oh, you're not, and, and you haven't thought of that verse in ages. And all of a sudden it comes back to you and you say, you know what? I know of this verse. This verse is blah, blah, blah. And they're like, it, that's just, that is just what I needed. You know what that is? That, and it's this Holy Spirit. But listen, let me tell you something. He cannot bring remembrance to scripture in your mind if you don't put it in your mind. That's why life journaling is so important. That's why the reading of Scripture is so important. And I just tell you just a little bit of a, maybe a confession or behind the scenes, and it's a little personal, and uh, this is where God's pushing me in my ministry right now. A greater dependency on Him in the, in the preaching of His Word. I don't know if it's because of my engineering background, but I, listen, I, I work unbelievable amount of hours in the preparation of a sermon. And then when I'm in the midst of like delivering that sermon, maybe it's my engineering background, but I, I want to get everything exactly right. And, and I want every four service, all the services to look exactly, exactly alike. And then all of a sudden, I get, if I get tied to my notes, it can seem like a, it can seem like a book report. It can seem kind of, kind of dry. And God has really convicted me that, Charlie, sometimes I think you trust more in your notes than you trust in me. And I know those times in preaching when I've gotten out of my notes, because if I stay tied to my notes, then God doesn't have a chance of redirecting someone in me in the, in the event. And I know those times that I've gotten out of my notes and God just impressed something. And it's not weird. I'm, it, nothing. It's just that prompting. And I've added a verse. Or I've said, this is just for free. Many of you will come up and say, you know what? That, that thing that you added, that is just what I needed. And I'm like, and sometimes that's frustrating. I said, really? I worked harder on the other stuff than that. And so, uh, <laughs> and so I'm telling you, 
this issue of the Holy Spirit coming to the place to where you just, you trust Him. You trust Him in, your, in His leading and His guidance. I'm still going to rep- prepare just as hard as I have ever prepared because I have to. But there's something about in the event is trusting in God to re- bring in remembrance to you that, that people need because He knows the needs. So the, the next thing is this. He informs. I mean, He, he informs. The Scripture also teaches that, that, that He informs the believers with, with special insight. He'll, he'll inform believers what to believe, what to do. Uh, John 16, 13, the spirit of truth comes and he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that, 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 that are to come. That's a fascinating census, uh, statement at the end. He'll declare to you the things that are to come. We're, we're, we're going to look at that. But first off, he'll, he'll inform. In other words, this, if you ever, ever like, been, been channel surfing, there's a TV preacher, and you listen to him or her, or, uh, or, uh, or you listen to someone on a podcast or radio or, or whatever, um, or maybe, maybe you've been at a church and you hear someone teaching, or maybe in a Bible study, a friend or whatever, someone's teaching, and all of a sudden they say something, you get that check in your spirit like, that, that is not right right there. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound right. I don't think that aligns with Scripture. Can I tell you who that is? That's the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've, I've heard stories and I've heard people talk about, hey, we're at a church and all of a sudden the church made this subtle shift in their teaching. And it was like week after week, we just got a check in our spirit that what they were saying and what they were teaching, it was, it was, it was, just, it was, it was just not right. And see, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will guide you into, into all truth. I mean, he's called, I mean, another name for the Holy Spirit, he's called the Spirit of, spirit of Truth. And so there, there are some that, that God has guided in that area to where all of a sudden you've been in those circles and there's like this check in your spirit that something doesn't, something just doesn't sound right. But here's the interesting thing. Guys in the back, Crystal, if you could put that verse back up. And, and so, but here's the other thing. He will declare the last sentence, the last few words, not the whole sentence, but he will declare to you the things that are to come. That is so fascinating right now, right there. He may not be totally, he may not reveal to you totally complete. But have you ever, have you ever been life journaling? Have you ever been reading scripture? And all of a sudden God just gives you a verse and God, you don't know why he gave you that verse. You don't know why that verse spoke to you. And all of a sudden you feel like God's preparing me for something. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Or maybe you felt it was a warning or something like that. And then all of a sudden you're in a conversation with a friend or a spouse or a relationship and all of a sudden it kind of hits that I now know why God gave me that verse. I now know why God spoke that into my life. That when you, when you follow the Holy Spirit, he, there, there have been some situations that I've walked through. And when I have looked back, and it, whether there's a crisis or whatever, and when I've looked back at my life journal, I realize, you know what, God, God you were preparing me for that. You, you were giving me insight into handle that, how to handle that situation how to take care. And if you hadn't given me that verse, if you haven't given me those words, then I probably would have handled the situation a little bit differently. So the next thing is this. Thank you, Crystal. So the, the next thing is this, is that, is that, that he, he guides. He guides. And so, so Romans chapter 8, verse 14 uh, says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to work through some scripture with you that may challenge some of your um, Christian tradition, okay? Is that okay? Hope that's okay. 
so let's just work through this scripture. So, so the scripture says, for we are, we are who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So you realize, right? You realize that the scripture over and over and over says that we're supposed to be led of the Spirit. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. We're supposed to walk with the Spirit. Uh, we're supposed to, we're supposed to uh, stay in step with the Spirit. And so that, that helps us to understand that, that God is the one that leads us, and we should never do anything that God doesn't lead us to do. And, and, uh, but, and so we, we need to follow him daily. But, but have you ever, and maybe you've said it, and you ever been around someone that says, I just wish God would tell me his plan for my life. I just, I just want to know. I just want to know God's plan for my life. Listen, I, I think, I'm telling you, I think we got to be careful with that because I can find in Scripture, I mean, I know there's places in Scripture where God has, has, has given us, the plan is, is it for us all to meet Him. But I think if we're not careful and we say, God, I need to know the total plan. I'm not talking about a calling. I'm talking about where God, where, where someone says, God, I need you to give me the total plan for my life. I need my total plan for my life downloaded. And a lot of times what we're asking for, we're asking for destination. We're asking for how this ends up for us. And listen, I'm going to tell you, it's hard to find in Scripture, one place in Scripture where, where God gave someone's plan to them, like a five-year plan, a ten-year plan, a lifelong plan, ever. Like with Abraham, remember Abraham when God called him to go to a land that he would show him? God didn't give him the whole plan, right? God just told him to start walking. And so God didn't tell him the destination. God didn't tell him the destination because Abraham goes, "How would I know when I get there?" He says, "I'll show you." So God didn't give him some important information. He didn't give him the duration. He didn't give him the destination. Uh, he didn't. He didn't give him the cost and rewards. Uh, he he didn't tell him if he had received a four hundred one k or not, a retirement plan, insurance, or anything like that. And so here's my concern with a lot of us: is that we can get listen, we can get paralyzed. God, I need to know the total plan for my life. And as a result of that, we don't follow him today. I'm not talking about a call. A call is where God calls you to follow him. Or God calls you into a ministry. Or God calls you. I'm talking about that if we're not careful, that if we need to know every detail of his plan, that you can get paralyzed to the point where you just don't, you don't follow him today. And yet, over and over in Scripture, what we find in Scripture, keep in step with the Spirit. Just follow Him. Just follow Him to, to, today. And so, so this last week, I was, I was traveling with Karen, and we went to, um, it, it was just a, it was a small gathering of, of pastors around the nation of some of the leading churches, and, and we gathered together in, in Florida, and we worshiped, and we prayed together, and we planned together. We planned the the Global Leadership Summit coming up in, in August 9th and 10th here at Fellowship of the Rockies. And, and so we're in Florida. And listen, when I travel, uh, I, I'm getting to where if I don't have to, I don't even get a rental car because I love Uber. I think it's, you know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like, it's, it's like a roll of the dice. You don't know what you're going to get. It, can, it is hilarious. We've only died a couple of times, almost died. <laughs> That'll freak you out. And so, uh, so we grabbed an Uber uh, when we left the hotel to the airport, this guy pulls up, and all you get, in case you don't know anything about Uber, you get the color of the car, their tags, and then, and then you get their first name. And then they get my first name. And so he pulls up, and, and this is how you meet. He goes, hey, you Charlie? I said, I'm Charlie. You David? I'm David. And so 
cool. And you throw your luggage in and off you go. And so I said, hey, you, David. And so we threw our luggage in. We get in. And I says, hey, because I just want to make sure you're taking us to the airport. He goes, actually, I don't even know your destination. I'm like, well, that's unsettling. He goes, no. He says, I don't get your destination until I hit this button that says passenger pickup. And then I get the destination. I go, that's crazy to me. Why is that? And he says, oh, that's simple. He says, because, see, the longer the fare, the more money an Uber driver makes. And so what they do is they don't give you your destination until you accept the trip so that we don't decline the short routes because we make less money and, 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 uh, and we just accept the long routes that benefit us. You know what? I think God works the same way. A lot of times when we ask God, you've got to download the whole plan for me, what we're asking really is how does this, how does this end up for me? And God says this, just follow me. Just follow me. Just walk in the Spirit. Just step. Listen, I've heard stories, and, and, and that, that's part of my story. I've heard stories from people early ages, and, and says, it says I, I just had this call, whether it's for ministry, whether it's for missions, whether it's to follow him. And I didn't totally understand, but he didn't download right everything. And I just started, I just started following him. I just stayed in step with the Spirit. And all of a sudden, as I did that, I ended up to his destination. And I think some, sometimes, we, listen, we make the Christian life so hard and so stressful because we're like, God, just, just give, us, give, give me my lifelong plan. And I'm in. And he says, no. No. You start following me today. I'll talk to you about a call. You start following me today. Galatians 5.16 says this, but I say, this is what Paul said. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not, you will not gratify the desires of, of, of your flesh. And that was what Paul says, and all of a sudden he says, he says, you can tell when someone stays in step with the Spirit or not, right? Someone that isn't walking with the Spirit doesn't matter, doesn't mean they're not a Christian, anything like that. Uh, but, but someone that doesn't walk in the Spirit, uh, then they're going to gratify the, the, the sins of their they're of the flesh, and, or, and, um, and so there's going to be anger and uncontrolled anger and division and gossip and bitterness and immorality and all those things. But if you walk in the Spirit, what Paul says, here's what's interesting. So Paul says the way you know when someone's walking in the Spirit has nothing to do with all this emotional stuff. He says, you know how you know? You know how you know when someone's Spirit-led? You know what comes out of their life? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, we've had a, <laughs> we've had a treadmill in our house for, for 20 years. I thought for 20 years, and then Karen says, no, we gave that away a year ago. I didn't even know. And so, uh, <laughs> but we, we've, had a, we've had a treadmill in our, in our basement for like 20 years. And so can, can you imagine after 20 years? Now, listen, I've, I've like never walked on it. Um, I mean, I've, I've walked on it twice, uh, once to try to impress Karen. Um, and then she told me, you're not even walking fast enough for it to do any good. And so uh, I didn't even know you could do that. You obviously got to get your heart rate up. And so, uh, but can you imagine having that treadmill in my basement for 20 years? And then I, I boxing it up and taking it back into the store and say, hey, I, 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 th this doesn't even work. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't lost any weight. I'm not any healthier than I was. And I've like had this thing 20 years. And it's not doing any good in the house. And they're like, well, did you ever walk on it? Oh, no, I never walked on it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is like that. You can be so far on this side of the log 
where the Holy Spirit is only a doctrine and not a person to commune with, not a person to, to walk with. And as a res result of that in your Christian life, you can go, you know what, that Holy Spirit thing, I don't know anything about that. It's never really helped me. I'm telling you, we all, we all have to move. We all have to move closer to a balance. Here's another one. He, he's a counselor. Uh, John 14, 16 says, and, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Now listen, that word helper uh, is a really hard word in Greek to translate to, to English. It's the Greek word para, kaleo. It's a, it's a compound word. And para simply means this, to stand alongside of. Kaleo means to speak into. So parakaleo means to stand alongside of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to stand alongside of and speak into. And so it's a really hard word for English translators to translate, right? And so some, some will say the helper like the ESV. Uh, I think NIV is, is comforter. Uh, sometimes it's counselor. And so I, I honestly, it's, it's hard for me to get a picture of the Holy Spirit with like helper. I don't, I don't like the word counselor because I, I do not need a hug. And so that's kind of, I mean, I'm sorry, comforter. I do not like the word comforter because I, I, you know, I don't need a hug. I don't need that emotion. So that's, that's kind of a weird word for me. But the word I do like is counselor because that's what this word says. And sometimes I need a counselor, right? We all need a counselor. And sometimes when we go through those dry seasons, when we go through those hard seasons, that we need someone standing alongside of us, what it says, standing alongside of us speaking truth, and he uses his word, but speaking truth into our life. For in other words, like when, I, when our heart, I, I don't know if you've ever gone through this, or you ever have these thoughts, but when you, when you go through those seasons of life to where your heart begins to condemn you, maybe you carry guilt from a decision of the past, a, a, a choice that you made, or maybe you carried some regrets, and all of a sudden your heart begins to, to condemn you. And you know what? You know what the scripture says? First John uh, three thirteen, I think it is. First John three thirteen says the Holy Spirit is stronger than the condemnation in your heart. In other words, He comes alongside of you and He speaks truth into your life. And so, if if you're dealing with guilt. And all of a sudden, you're, you're carrying guilt over something of the past, whether it's parenting or whether it's marriage or whether it's something in your job or your career or whatever, choices that you made. And all of a sudden, you begin carrying guilt. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes through beside you through his word and begins reminding you that therefore now there is no condemnation in those who love Christ Jesus. Isaiah says that even though your sins were once as red as scarlet, they are now as white as snow. When you go through those times that you feel abandoned, and you feel lonely, and you feel all of those other things, it's God that comes alongside of you and whispers into you and says that, that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, that, 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 you, that you are mine. It's the Holy Spirit that comes alongside of you. Listen, just real quickly. If you, if you were abandoned by a parent, if you felt rejected by a parent, then it's the Holy Spirit that comes alongside of you. It's Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalms 27. And Psalms 27 says that even though your mother and father have rejected you, I, the Lord, am ready to receive you. I am the one that takes the lonely and puts them into families. I am the one that loves them, and I am the one that cares for them. Listen, when we go through a wilderness experience, when we go through those doubts, we need the, Lord, the Holy Spirit to come alongside of us and encourage us. That's why the reading of Scripture, that's why 
getting into his word is just so important for us so we know the truth of scripture. The last thing is this. He empowers for ministry. This is where the title of this message came from. He, he in the empowered church, he empowers us for ministry. John 14, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And this is a crazy promise. And guess what? This is to us. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. In other words, I'm going to the Father. The Holy Spirit's coming to you. And so we got to understand this. Not just one of us is the church. We're all the church. We all have the Holy Spirit. And so because of that, I'm going to go away. The Holy Spirit's going to come. And guess what? You're going to do greater works than me. That's a shocking statement. I mean, I mean seriously, you've ever done greater works than Jesus? You ever walked on water? You ever fed 5,000 like two fish and five loaves of bread? Have you ever preached a sermon or taught a sermon with greater understanding, greater clarity than Jesus? Have you ever, I mean, have you ever prayed with greater understanding or greater clarity than, than Jesus? Have you ever been crucified on the cross? Have you ever died for someone's sin? Have you ever forgiven someone from the cross? Have you ever raised, been raised from the dead on, 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 on the third day? I mean, do you think anyone would like stand up and said, yep, that's me. I've done greater works than Jesus. No. So what, is, what does the scripture mean? It can't mean that you will do greater works than Jesus because Jesus' works are unmatchable. We can't reproduce those. But here's what he did mean. Just so cool to me. The collective work by the body of Christ that's stewarding the Holy Spirit, the collective work by the church will do greater work than if Jesus had have stayed here and the Holy Spirit had have been in one place. Does that make sense to you? That he's saying that I will empower believers all over the world. The Holy Spirit is no longer central. The Holy Spirit resides in each one of us. And together, we will do greater works collectively than if Jesus had stayed here and the Holy Spirit had been in one place. You know what that says to me and that says to us? That's why we need to be all in. And that happened in Fellowship of the Rockies. Can you imagine what would happen at Fellowship of the Rockies if we understood what it means to be empowered with ministry? Every one of us, like our commitment level, be it like, it, like at a 10, would say, man, I'm, I'm all in. I am all in. I'm going to follow the, I, I am all in. And I'm going to, I'm going to share my resources and I'm going to share my time. I'm going to find a place to serve, whether it's in missions, whether it's in, 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 in local missions, whether it's in global missions, whether it's here. And because of that, I am going to stay in step with the Holy Spirit and collectively would change this community. Collectively would change this world. That's what it means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes?